Hey everybody, it's Kino from Recording Lounge. It is January 27th, 2012, and you are of course tuned in to the Recording Lounge show. Um, thank you guys very much for uh, tuning in. I hope you've been enjoying these uh, great insights from great musicians that I know uh, about session playing and just playing in general. Uh, we talked with Josh first and we talked with Les and then uh, now we're going to talk with Ross who's my session keys player um, and also a good friend. So so keys keys are interesting because keys can really, really help fill out a track. Um, honestly, no matter what the genre, um, it's very difficult to find a song where some form of keys or synth won't fit, but it does happen. So we're going to talk about that today on the show with Ross, and this is an interview I got with Ross on the phone. So uh, again, apologize if it's a little hard to understand him at some points, but if you can, if you can really focus in, he's got some great, great info. So uh, this is my interview with Ross. First question is, how do you usually go about figuring out what parts to play? in an arrangement, if you hear a new song and you're doing a session or playing live and you hear a new song, how do you figure out what parts to play? I mean, do you, do you choose an instrument first and then go off of that? Well, first thing I want to ask is, as far as studio playing or, or live, are we talking both covers and original, or should we just take it from like an original music standpoint? Yeah, yeah let's take it from original music. Okay, to where I, it's not like, you know, otherwise my answer would be, oh, well, I copy what's on the record. Yeah, yeah. Um, a large part of it really depends on what the other instruments are doing. I typically, well, it, it depends. If, if I'm the one that sort of has the arrangement in mind, then I sort of know what I'm going for. You know, when the when the producer side of me kicks in, and let's say I'm playing producer in this instance, then I already sort of have in my mind formulated what I want. Mm-hmm. Um if there's if there's somebody else that's producing, then I typically you know find out what sort of feel they're going for, and then find out what tones and textures the other instrumentalists are going to be using. Gotcha. Um, um, and once you find that field, is that when you pick the instrument? More or less, yeah. And then once you pick that, I mean, obviously it's different. You play a an organ differently than you play piano, obviously. But once you figure out, like, let's say the feel feels like you need an organ. From there, or a piano, or anything, how do you go about picking the right part? Um, you're going to hear me come back to this a lot. Again, you know, to me, music and playing in a band, whether it's live or in the studio, it's all about teamwork. Mm-hmm. Um, my job is to compliment the song, not compliment myself. So, again, my answer is it really depends on what everybody else is doing. And I know that's kind of a cop out, but it's true. But the guitar part is, you know, a a chunky rhythm down low, then I'm probably going to fill in with probably some, you know, middle octave, or not not octave, but middle section of the keyboard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, probably middle C on up, um, just to get my voice through and to fit in the right spot. But not be too Um, high where it's distracting from the vocal. Exactly. You know, in that sort of sweet mid-range spot. Yeah. Um, and right now, I'm mostly just thinking piano. If we're talking organ or synth, that's a totally different beast. Yeah. Um, and that all depends on style of music, you know. As to you know, especially with organ, how you voice the draw bars, uh, where you play on the keyboard. You know, are you holding more of a pad or are you throwing, you know, some little licks in there? That that all depends on style of music for sure. 
Yeah. Now, you mentioned the guitar. Do you mean... So, so like, whenever you're listening to the whole song, do you have, like, a quick reference as to what you're playing? Like, do you kind of first go towards the drums, or do you first go towards the guitars to figure out what range you should play? Or is it just, like, whatever the main rhythm instrument is? As far as range goes, like, notes on the keyboard, it's definitely usually based off the guitar. Mm-hmm. As far as rhythmically, it's pretty much always more or less based off the thrust. Yeah. I mean, unless the, unless the main hook of the song is a rhythm, uh, like, you know, ACDC's Back in Black, for yeah, instance, yeah. there's no lick that makes the song. Like, the hook for the song is the the rhythm. The, the, the whole riff. thing, yeah, the whole verse. <laughs> you know, and, and, and frankly, you know, in that song, the drums are just playing straight, and everybody else is doing, you know, the riff over the top of it. Mm-hmm. And in instances like that, I'm definitely going to go with the guitars or whatever the multi, you know, guitar bass, those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's more of a, you know, like a pop setting, usually I'll base it off the drums. And again, it depends on, you know, if, if the piano or keyboard or whatever, uh, we'll, we'll stick with piano for now, because with organ, I wouldn't say that there's a lot of rhythm to it. Yeah. At least not in the styles of music that I... Play. So for piano, Rhodes, Whirly, you know, all those guys, if that is sort of the, I don't want to use the term lead instrument because everybody's, you know, everybody works together. It's a team. Yeah. But if that's handling the predominant riff or especially like on um, maybe a ballad, something to where, you know, the piano or the, you know, whatever is sort of leading the song, then obviously that's different. Yeah. But most of the time I look towards the drums. Just a way to sort of blend in and help play is like an extension of the drums like exactly. you know your right hand and your left hand are like the different parts of the kit almost you know what i mean like if the kit's doing some, something brighter you're playing something brighter sometimes and almost like trying to describe how a kick drum and a bass guitar have to like come from each other yeah you know i would i would say that's accurate um most of the time i play with the drums you know obviously i'm not trying to play the exact same thing that the drummer is rhythm wise but, you know, if the drummer's doing, you know, if it's a driving section, for sure, I'm playing eighth notes, quarter notes, you know, whatever, depending on the song, is going to really, you know, just keep that main beat driving. Mm-hmm. Um, other times, you know, if it's sort of a mid-tempo song, I won't necessarily play with the drums. I'll maybe do whole notes. Um, that's really helpful a lot, just to stay out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but especially with a Rhodes or something like that that's got some sustain on it, if you just play a whole note, Basically, you know, either a whole note per measure or, you know, one note of whatever value it is per chord change. A lot of times that, you know, gives you some meat and gives you some sustain to fill out the holes in the song without being overly busy and attracting attention to yourself. Yeah. Now, you and I talked about one time how a lot of times what you do is right hand dominant and the left hand plays a lot less than people naturally might want to. Oh, absolutely. You know, especially with a couple of exceptions, um, really the main exception being R&B and soul and those kinds of styles to where the left hand is busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually for me, it's either an octave or a fifth in my left hand, uh, and then, you know, the accompanying chord numbers in the right. And, of course, what I do in the right hand is pretty much absolutely dependent on style of music. If it's more of a you know, British pop or even modern worship type thing, then, you know, pretty much fifths or octaves or anything that doesn't have, you know, a third or a seventh or anything like that. Basically, to sort of stay out of the way and not necessarily 
if you play a third or, or excuse me, if you play a fifth or an octave, you're not really committing to any sort of variation of the chords. Um, and I like to let the guitars do that. And, you know, for myself, just to add some lead and some power without necessarily adding any sort of color to the chords. Yeah, because you're not playing any major or minor third or anything like that. Right. Right. Gotcha. Or, if I do, I use a lot of open voicing um, to where the chord members are not necessarily close together. Gotcha. So you know, like I don't want really that. low, really low root, then like an octave of that, and then like a higher root, and then maybe a fifth of that. Maybe like okay, one thing I'll do a lot of times if I'm going to put the third in, I'll do either an octave or fifth in my left hand, and then usually a octave and a third above the root or whatever that is. That's like a thirteenth or something. Mm-hmm. It's where I'll put the third. Um, and then no, you know, let's take a D chord for instance. I would do. A D, and then an A, which is a fifth above the D. The F sharp, a sixth above that A, and then the D, a sixth above that F sharp. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I could try to put in a little sound clip of what you're talking about. This is me editing the show, and I'm saying here is a little MIDI sound clip of the type of chord Ross is saying when he wants to put the third in the song. Um, but doesn't want to actually take up too much space. The next question was about uh, all this in regards to studio versus session, or studio versus live. Do you find that playing in the studio is a lot different than live, or do you feel like um, your jobs are kind of the same in both places i think they're similar and different in some aspects similar as in i try and approach live gigs with the same mentality as i approach the studio knowing my place in the band um and not trying to go overboard that being said depending on your situation you know a lot of times i have to cover multiple keyboard parts and i'm the only keyboard player yeah so finding a way to do that sometimes can be a challenge live, whereas in the studio, it's no big deal. You record the you record the organ part, then you go back over and record the piano part, yeah. and then you put the pad in behind all that. You know, you can really think about the parts themselves and really, you know, play each part to the best of your ability one at a time, rather than trying to play them to the best of your, of your ability, you know, all at the same time. Yeah. So if you're in the studio, let's say, and you're trying to layer, um, you have, you know, let's say you are the producer and you have the ability to just have free reign over what gets put in, basically, then grand piano, an organ, and a synth, all three, you want it in a song. Are you more apt to play less in all three or play a normal part with one and then do less in the other two? I'm typically more apt do a normal part in one and less than the other two. Gotcha. Although my ideal is to play them all equally. Yeah. Uh, you know, but it, it's kind of hard to do, especially, you know, if there are, you know, sessions with two keys players, piece of cake. You play off what the other guy's doing. Yeah. Uh, but sessions where you have to layer parts yourself, especially if you're, you know, in a recording situation to where 
you're not all in the same room playing together. You're, yeah. you know, first you record the drums, then you record the bass, then you record the, you know, the whole layering concept. Then it becomes really difficult because you're not exactly sure what's going to go on top of what you just played. Yeah. Um, so that can be a little bit tricky. But you for have me, to keep second guessing yourself and being like, well, I like the verse that I did, but now the chorus is too busy. And then you redo that, and then it's like, well, now this is too busy. Exactly. Yeah. For me, I tend to, you know, decide what part is going to be the main keyboard part. Um, and again, it all depends on style of music. You know, in country, for example, especially modern country, you've got piano and organ going on in a lot of those songs, and it's, you know, they, they have their place. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of thing is really easy to figure out. But, you know, especially like differentiating between, you know, maybe a pad and an organ, Sometimes that can be a little more more tricky. And other times, you don't necessarily want to differentiate. Um, I just laid down some tracks actually a few days ago where I had a, a pad part and then an organ part layered right on top of that, and it wasn't necessarily a whole lot different than the pad, but it gave some of that you know nice, nasty organ grit to the pad, yeah. but in organ fashion to where you could sort of swell it in and out. Gotcha. So... When you when you're picking sounds, specific sounds, not like just an instrument. So like, let's say you've picked that you want to do piano, and you feel like that's the main instrument that the song is calling for. H how then do you go about um, picking a specific piano sound, like an upright versus a grand, or you know even this grand versus that grand? And how do you you know, aside from all, uh, you know, recording techniques of, oh, I'll mic it this way, I'll mic it this way. Um, like, let's say you're just on, like, your Nord setup. Then, you know, how do you go about picking up a specific patch? What what do you listen for there? Uh, a lot of times that's going to also depend on the, not necessarily style of song as, as regards to genre. Maybe in regards to tempo and instrumentation, like, for, for upbeat songs, I'll usually do a Yamaha grand over a Steinway just because Yamahas tend to sort of have a little bit more natural compression to them a little bit more mid-range and tend to bite through a little bit more in a band setting yeah not so much uh, like super smooth woofy low end exactly you know for solo piano or something where the piano is a little more open and you need low end support from the piano then probably a Steinway the main patch I use on my Nord is a Steinway, but it doesn't really sound like a Steinway to me. It's got the low end of a Steinway, but the top end is a lot brighter than most Steinways, so it's almost sort of a... C7 right hand and a, and a Steinway left hand. <laughs> More or less, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's just because I like the way that particular patch sounds. You know, if somebody were to, you know, give me a whole bunch of money and say, go buy a grand piano, I'd buy a C7. Just gotcha. Because I tend to be more of a Yamaha piano fan than Steinway. Gotcha. Um, but, you know, as far as like, so the differentiating between grand is easy. Um, between grand and upright, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not usually a big fan of uprights. Um, you know, I'm sort of a, a grand piano nut. I like, I like the sustain that you get from a grand piano. Yeah. You know, just kind of the, especially if you sit down at a real one. You know, just the sort of power that you feel and just the way it sounds is awesome compared to pretty much every upright I've ever sat down at. Yeah. But there are situations that call for upright, especially when you need, like, a, a piano part that has more attack than you really ever get out of a grand piano yeah. or any grand piano patch. You know, if you really need this this sort of 
you know, maybe like an octave riff in the right hand that you really need to just punch through, then probably an upright for that. Yeah. Uh, or if you're just looking for that upright sound, you know, Gabe Dixon band, for example, you know, Gabe Dixon pretty much plays entirely um, an upright. You know, that's his his thing. Yeah. Um, and it's it's cool. It's just not necessarily something that I think is for me. But, yeah. Hey. Well, I mean, it's the same. Any the same difference as a guy who plays a Strat and a Tele. I mean, they obviously sound different, or or even yeah. a Strat and a Les Paul. They obviously sound very different. But yeah. you know, a lot of times it just depends on your preference of style of music and and just what your ear likes. So, um, yeah, however, I mean, you know, I might be a, you know, whereas I might be a Strat guy and you might be a DC Rich guy. <laughs> 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 you know, yeah. same, same thing with Upright and Grand. But, yeah. You the, know, and the same argument can be made between. You know, Wurlitzer and Rhodes. Um, yeah. I tend to be, I use both of those more often than I'll use, you know, deciding between Rhodes and Worley is harder for me than deciding between Grand and Upright because most of the time I will pick a, a Grand. Mm-hmm. Um, Rhodes, it depends on style, really. Um, blues and country, Wurlitzer is key. Um, R&B or any sort of uh, most R&B and pop stuff, I would probably pick a road. Um, just because I kind of like that. It's mellow, but it's got a bite to it as well. Yeah. Uh, especially the suitcase model, which is what I prefer. Gotcha. So what what thoughts can you share about modern recording and sort of differences that you know you would like to see or things that I guess stand out to you about the way records are made now? Especially in regards to piano sounds, that they in re, in regards to records that maybe were made in the eighties and nineties. What what do you think are some of the big differences? As far as virtual instruments go, you know those have gotten way better. Um, you know there are things out there like uh, ivory and you know grand piano samplers like that that I think do a really good job and probably on recordings. Sounds pretty convincing. Yeah. Um, myself, I'm still old school in the fact that I would rather have an actual piano recorded, um, provided that the piano is in tune, of course. Yeah. Um, mostly just because, you know, as much as I love keyboard gear and virtual instruments and all that kind of stuff, you can't replicate what it's like to play the real thing. Especially with uh, the feel of it, the just physical key. Exactly. Especially the feel. I mean, you know, yeah, there are some great 88 key weighted MIDI controllers and keyboards out there. Um, but, you know, those keys still don't resonate under my fingers like they do when they're attached to yeah. hammer sitting strings. Yeah. Um, the feel is different, the sound is different, and, you know, you still can't quite, even, you know, even with 127 different control values for MIDI. You still don't quite get all the nuances just right. Yeah, um, that can especially be true for D three. Um, you know, I love my Hammond keyboard. I think it does a fantastic job, but there's nothing like playing the actual thing. Yeah, so the draw bars and the swell pedal and the Leslie, the real Leslie, actually respond. You know, is night and day compared even with the best organ clone out there. Yeah, uh, digital or like a physical one like yours. Yeah, you know, and mine is still. I mean, mine has draw bars, but they control digital tone wheels. Yeah, I mean, 
It's still a it's still a digital board. There aren't actually you know turn wheels spinning inside my keyboard, although I wish they were. Yeah. But you know, side note: um, the key to great organ sound really isn't so much the organ itself, but how good is the level simulation on the organ? Yeah. Um, because the organ you, itself right? can sound great, and the level simulation can be crappy. You know, either too bright, too dark. Um, the big thing that I find is they don't have to speed up and slow down right. You know, it goes from zero to 60 in, you know, two seconds, yeah. which is not like a real level at all. Um, you know, so, I mean, you can take any mediocre sounding organ patch, and if you run it through a Leslie, you're going to get so much better results than if you just go straight. And I've even looked for, like, really good Leslie plugins, and I, I still have yet to find one that I really, really like. The best thing that's getting reviews out there, other than the real thing or a dedicated clone wheel, which is what they call, you know, fake organs yeah, like Hamilton yeah. or whatever, is um, there's a company called Neo Instruments that makes a pedal called the Ventilator. Hmm. And I've heard lots of good reviews from keyboard players about that. Um, some of them are even choosing to use the Ventilator instead of the onboard simulation on their, you know, hmm. Hammond XK3 or Nord or whatever, which had good... Leslie Sims on them. Um, apparently, this one is just awesome. And what did you say it was called again? It's called the Neo Instruments Ventilator. Huh. And it's like a stereo, pet, like almost like a guitar pedal? or Yeah, I mean, basically, that's kind of what it is. Huh. I've seen it on a few guitar rigs, but... Interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't quite done enough research and figured out if it's actually marketed towards keyboard players or towards guitar players. But regardless, you know, it's a great pedal and has great sound. Yeah. Okay, well, last question is about, uh, it's pretty open-ended, so you can pretty much take it in whatever way you want, um, and it's just, uh, what, what advice can you give listeners about playing keys in general, um, you know, and how, how, I guess, to get better at all of the things that you've talked about? I tend to be a little bit of a sound purist, so in regards to getting sound, especially if you're getting sounds that are supposed to be replications of real instruments, get the best ones that you can, you know, get something that actually sounds like the instrument, you know, convince me that yeah. you're playing a grand piano and not ivory. Yeah. Um, that's definitely part of it. Um, as far as your training goes, find voicings that you like. I don't necessarily consider myself a keyboard player who knows a lot of fancy licks and that kind of thing. Um, I tend to focus in my playing more on getting the chord voicings right. And that's kind of what distinguishes my sound, you know, if you could say that I have one, from other keyboard players that I've met. Yeah, you know, I know people that can play circles around me, but I still get calls to play on, play, play on projects, play live, just because I guess people like the voicing that I choose. And, you know, a large part of it is I think people like the sound sources that I pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like I said earlier, those really just, they depend on the song. And I wish I could give you a better answer than that, to say more definitively, you know, Oh yeah, when you want to use piano, you do this, this, and this, and boom, you <laughs> yeah. know, magic piano sound. But I can't, I can't do that. It all depends on the song. Um, yeah. And with that being said, you know, the main advice that I can give anybody who's, you know, wanting to play piano or, you know, frankly, any instrument for that matter, is you know, less is more. You know, also learn how to listen. Listen for what other people, you know, other keys players in your similar genres are doing. And not necessarily copy, but, you know, take, take influence from that. 
Yeah. You know, I know that's definitely what I've done. There are players that I like in different genres that, you know, I soak up as much of their playing and as much stuff that I can find with them playing on it as I can just to, you know, sort of add those things to, you know, my repertoire and sort of wrap my mind around as much as possible, you know, how do they think? How do they approach this? Because obviously they're successful at it. Yeah. And if I can take a combination of my influences and be successful at that, I mean, really, what more can you ask for? For sure. Do you consider yourself a type of person that thinks that nearly any song could benefit from some sort of keys, synth, or organ? No, absolutely not. Are there times um, when you feel the need to just completely sit out? Yes. I, you know, I'm all about what is you know what does the song need, not what do I need. You know, what do I want to be doing? You know, even if it's in a lot, you know, if it's studio, what do you do? That's not a big deal. You just you know, you either don't get called to play on that song or you know, you set that one out. Yeah. Uh, live, that can be a bit more awkward, but frankly, I don't mind it. Um, if the song doesn't need keys, then I don't want to be in there messing it up. Yeah. Um, you know, especially like acoustic songs, you know, where it's like a... I mean, it'd be like saying, hey, you know, do you think that Alison Krauss needs a Rhodes player? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that, that style of music doesn't call for any keys parts whatsoever. You know, maybe some of her songs that are getting on the far edges of bluegrass might could benefit from like a you know like an organ pad or some sort something like that yeah. but i mean no i you know there are definitely songs that don't need any keyboard whatsoever being a keyboard player is a whole lot different than just being a piano player i know lots of you know either classically trained pianists or just you know people who grew up taking lessons that you know when they try and sit down in a band setting and play piano it's just too busy. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that's the major difference between being a keys player and being a piano player is, you know, keys players can play piano, but piano players can't necessarily play keys. <laughs> you you got to know what your place is and be okay with that. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, as a, you know, I'm primarily a guitar player. I play keys too, but guitars, you know, at least I've been playing guitar longer, we'll put it that way. I play more keyboards now than I do guitar, but... Regardless, you know, I'm not the world's greatest keyboard player by any means. And with that being said, I know my limits and I stick to my limits. You know, yes, I, you know, I practice and I try and get better and progress, but that's what you do in your practice time and not at the gig of the session. Um, you know, and the other thing too is just, you know, I would say if you get called to do a session and it's a style of music that you're not comfortable with, don't waste your time and everybody else's. Just say, hey, this is not normally what I do. You know, it might cost you some cash because you're probably going to get paid for that session. Yeah. But in the end, I think it's better to have, you know, it, in the end, it's all about the song and the artist's vision for the song. And if you don't like the song, then it's going to be hard for anyone's vision to actually match up. Right. You know, and even if you do like the song, you know, I can like sorts of, you know, progressive rock and things that are cool genres to listen to. But if you don't know how to play those styles, for me, it's, you know, jazz. I love to listen to jazz but I'm not a jazz piano player. And if somebody called me for a jazz session, and especially if it was going to be a really heavy piano song, you know, mm -hmm. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. That's not that's not what I do. And I feel like I would be doing the artist an injustice, the producer an injustice, and I would be costing everybody money and time to go in there and screw around and not really get what they were for. Well, that was our interview with Ross. I hope you guys took his advice and took it seriously. Um, if you have any questions, email me at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. 
Um, I do freelance mixing and mastering, so you can send me your tracks. Again, just email me at that email, and we can talk about it if you're interested in that to get a great mix from your songs. Uh, check out the Facebook, facebook.com slash recordinglounge, and the blog, recordinglounge.blogspot.com. I'll see you guys soon.